0: Delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.tv. Taking a bite out of technology.
1: Hello, and a very good day to you. Welcome to episode 499 of The Two Techies for Saturday, February 29th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less. With Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinise and explore the world of tech. This week, coronavirus and the effect it is having on the technology industry... Encryption principles are queried yet again by another governmental body. And autonomous vehicles, the consequences of using autonomous technology in a vehicle in 2020. Welcome to episode four hundred and ninety-nine of the show. It's special for numerous reasons. First off, we're here. What more would you oh, okay, no, that's that's not really special at all, I guess, is it, Aaron? We've been here every every episode since we began 10 years ago. Um, what is special? 499, which means it is the end of the 400 series. Next week, we start with episode 500, which is actually it's nice because we hit 500 now and we hit 10 years just the other week. So that's kind of cool that they're within short succession of each other. Well, it is to you and I, Aaron. To anyone else, maybe not. <laughs> it's also a, a, quite, quite a notable episode because it is February 29th, 2020. It is a leap year and it is a leap day on the leap year um, in February, which says, you know, except for February. It's the one which only has 28 days clear and 29 in each leap year. Every, everyone knows that rhyme, right? Absolutely. That, that's just a ubiquitous rhyme, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And it's special because Saturday does not fall on the 29th for another 28 years. What episode number will we be beyond then Aaron
0: Oh, uh, quick maths. Uh, approximately <laughs> 1,526. Right. That's great. That's great.
1: Imagine if that was
0: correct. I do like a
1: god. That that would, yes. So uh, the, the 29th falls, well, 29th of February, falls on a Saturday at once every 28 years, except when a year is evenly divisible by 100, like 2,100, i.e. the next time will be 2048. The time before it was 1992. So we're celebrating a pretty special thing right now, I guess. Not Not really, but we'll, we'll pretend. Um, So yes, this week technology has yet again, well it's quite interesting, last week there just wasn't a lot at all, this week there is a lot, but it's not the news that we would expect, so well, it kind of is due to the circumstances around the globe, but we haven't had very much from the big companies to be expected, but what we have had is very general, very top level news in terms of technology and the industry itself, so we're deciding to take this week to talk more about general things within technology, this week of course we, we have have to talk about it because it's been around for long enough now that it is having a knock-on effect in so many ways. The coronavirus and the tech industry is no exception. It is, and and I hate to jump on bandwagons and, and sort of make something out to be something it's not, but in this case we're not. It, it is pretty significant at the moment in the world and it is having a knock-on effect everywhere and in everything. Um, and that's not trying to... You know, It's not scare tactics as such, but it's just because of the problems we're facing as a, as a world right now, and, and especially the origin of the virus, of course, China, then it is naturally having a pretty big knock-on effect, both for supply chains, for companies, for their share price or their operations, the products, developments, future releases, current plans. It's really shaking things up. And so you could tell that um, simply by looking at the stock market this week for any company, let alone technology companies. They were all down on the whole. Some took a, a very significant hit uh, than others. I'm looking at Apple. Apple at one point um, quite recently were sitting at 330, 324, somewhere around that. They're, they're currently sitting at 273 as the stock market closed. Microsoft as well are currently sitting at 162. They went up a little bit um, off their drop on the 28th from five to currently sitting at 162, but to give you an idea, that's from 188 at the start of uh, February, uh, 183 on the 7th of February, which was a, a considerable high um, for the year to date. So yeah, you could say it's having an effect. And I again, I don't like to... To jump on bandwagons as soon as they you know oh, everyone's jumping but but it actually is you can clearly see and say it is having an effect it won't have an effect forever and and it will self-correct but at this point stage in time we are seeing effects from it um in all walks facebook have also cancelled their f8 conference we're going to talk about that at the start of the show MI5, they've asked for exceptional access to encrypted messages, which begs the question, again, encryption, What, what where, where, where do we draw the line with encryption? Why can't we have a backdoor? Fundamentally, How dangerous is that? How dangerous is that concept? And also something that caught my eye, and I think it it also caught yours, through the week um, there was a report about an Apple employee who died after his Tesla car hit a concrete barrier. The reports say he was playing a video game at the time of the crash. That's what the US National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, have said. They also say it was driving semi-autonomously using Tesla's autopilot software. Did you see the mess of that car, Aaron?
0: I'm still, you know, trying trying to work through the the, the pictures that various articles have had Of how that car ended up in that state with what they said happened. I'm still sure half of that damage has to have been done, you know, post-crashes, in what you know, whilst trying to extract the person from the vehicle because I refuse to believe any modern car would fail so miserably at safety mm. um, in such a way. But yeah, horrific pictures.
1: But that does beg the question. So these cars, the, the electric cars, they don't have an engine in the front end. The engine in a car is a pretty significant part of the entire crumple zone process and the safety process because it, it acts as a barrier between whatever the obstacle at the front of the car and the the occupants. So it it did beg the question in my head: Is is this a side effect of electric vehicles? No engine, less protection. How 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 is no, that?
0: Because no, you know, otherwise Ferraris and Porsches and the new Corvette would all be unsafe because their engine is not in the front either. Um, it, it technically, I you can actually make the car a lot safer in theory without an engine in the front. You can build much stronger impact zones, um, because. You still have the traditional long bonnet. Um, the wheels still have to go somewhere. Whereas with an engine, if you have a head-on impact, that's a heavy block of iron or aluminium that's getting pushed back into the passenger compartment potentially. Um, in an electric car or a mid-engined or rear-engined uh, car, technically less of an issue. That you can you can really beef up your uh, your front chassis rails and whatnot and have a, have a much stronger front impact zone. So I assume it's technically there's probably many ways it is safer. Bearing in mind, all of these cars go through all of the same tests. Um, There are cars that receive better safety ratings than others, but none of them... Tesla, you know Chevrolet, Ford, whoever, would be considered, I think, less safe these days because of the type of car they are. Just the the sheer amount of tests these things get put through.
1: Fair enough. That's that theory put to bed then. So yes, um, as a whole, technology news this week. It's been general, it's been top level, but still very interesting, very thought-provoking nonetheless.
0: We're going to go to that shortly. Before we do, we're going to go to the quick news. 1 million households in the West Midlands will be able to access ultra-fast, gigabit-capable broadband from March, Virgin Media has said. The company says the switch-on of its gigabit services is the largest in the UK. It will be available in Coventry, Birmingham and the surrounding areas. Gigabit technology allows for download speeds of more than 1,104 megabits per second. The average UK speed currently is just 54 megabits per second, but the ultra-high speeds will cost at least £62 a month, at £744 a year. Customers who pay for the high-speed connectivity will be able to download an ultra-high-resolution 4K film of 20 gigabytes in little over three minutes, rather than the estimated hour it would take on an average connection.
1: Amazon has banned more than one million products which claim to protect against the coronavirus or even cure it. The online retailer told Reuters it had removed tens of thousands of overpriced health products also from unscrupulous sellers. The World Health Organization expressed concern about some misleading Amazon listings earlier this month, including fake treatments. The WHO said fake coronavirus claims online were causing mass confusion and urged tech giants to combat the spread of misinformation. A search for coronavirus on Amazon brought up results for face masks, disinfectant wipes and newly published books on viral infections revealing how some sellers are cashing in on the health crisis. It also offered results for vitamin C boosters, a fake cure for the virus that has been widely disseminated online.
0: Owners of a device designed to release food for pets say that animals were left hungry during a week-long system failure. PetNet allows owners to schedule and control feeding via a smartphone app. When the BBC contacted PetNet on its advertised email address, the email bounced back with a delivery failure notice. One pet owner tweeted, My cat starved for over a week, while others complained about other hardware issues. My, gen- my three Gen 2 feeders constantly jam and won't dispense food, wrote another. Some expressed relief that the feeders were now back online. And finally, it turns out all it takes to fill a Tesla's camera system
1: is a little bit of tape. Two security researchers managed to trick two Teslas into accelerating well past the speed limit by filling their camera systems into misreading a speed sign. First saw this news as it surfaced during the week. The McAfee's researchers Steve Bolivani and Chevy Trevedi stuck two inches of black tape on a 35mph speed sign, slightly elongating the middle line of the three. It drove a 2016 Tesla Model X towards the sign with cruise control enabled. As the car approached the sign, it misread it as 85mph an and started to accelerate by 50mph. nice that there has been development in the gigabit switch on and actually it says Birmingham I was in Birmingham in January and yeah you could see there was a lot of infrastructural work going on with the Virgin a lot of a lot of engineers out and about and also a lot of uh, we're sorry for the disruption we really are we're not really but we'll pretend we are Um, but the cost £62 a month and as you said just under £750 a year that that has to come down for mass markets to really care because at this stage gigabit internet
0: is not a necessity I mean a a good connection is but gigabit connection isn't in my eyes. Bearing in mind not a whole lot more than you'll pay for some of the higher speed connections at the moment and some of the higher speed connections from the likes of Virgin and BT you're talking two or 300 megabits so it's quite a sizable jump but not a whole lot more money. It will definitely come down. Um, When you're the first to a market and almost the only to a market you do have the advantage of kind of being able to charge whatever you like. Um, again, one of the things I think we've always kind of praised the ISPs in this country for is it's the competition, isn't it? Virgin will roll this out. You can be damn sure in six months BT are going to be advertising something similar. Like it's just a constant pushing each other forward. Uh, we get to reap the rewards of that fortunately. Um, and as you say, the, the, the price will come down as well. So uh, yeah, this will roll out across uh, more places in the UK. Uh, I, I'm sure of it. So, um, Surprised. I don't know if it is already in London, um, but I was kind of surprised to read that the West Midlands was going to get it first. Not that far away. Woo! Um, <laughs> I guess it's
1: easier to to disrupt Birmingham
0: than it is London. What do you say? You saying Birmingham's not the centre of the universe?
1: I mean, it's the second biggest city in England except for London. But uh, I guess it's just not as you go to Birmingham and it's the pace of life you can it can be as fast or as slow as you want to be. You go to London, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's one there's one pace and that's it. Um, I was reminded of that by being in London just a few weeks ago actually. And yeah, you 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 gotta be fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, I think this is good. This is um, when we've kind of spoken about it in the past, I think certain cities and the states getting gigabit through the likes of Google and whatnot. I think we've always been pretty jealous. Mm. Um, gigabit's that next big barrier, isn't it? I think when we crossed that the hundred megabits barrier, and it that kind of became, you know, it says the average is fifty-four, um, but there are lots of households that have far more than that. Um, yeah, the the gigabit barrier was the next interesting one. Um, it'll be. Fascinating to see where we go from there. It's a supply and demand job, isn't it? The more the demand comes in, the greater the
1: supply, which means they will actually be able to. And as much as, yes, Version are charging more money for it at the minute because, number one, it's brand new. It's cost them a lot to put in, I guess, and they can. But as you said, as more and more ISPs offer it, as it becomes more widespread, more necessary, more available, prices will come down. Supply and demand. Isn't it a great world we live in that a pandemic around the world is affecting? pretty much everyone in some way to some extent and there are absolute morons who just decide to cash
0: in on it it's twenty
1: twenty for you, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Welcome to uh welcome to the world we live in at the moment. It's it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's how I can't even describe the type of human being that I think could think of doing this stuff. It's just
1: it's a commercial mindset, fair play. You know, someone knew how to make money. Not even that. It just
0: I don't know. There, there has to be something wrong with the people that, that you know that causes them to do this stuff It's
1: crazy. YouTube have announced that videos relating or titled coronavirus may be demonetized. Amazon have said, Yep, we're not doing that. So good to see the technology companies have responded in a quick and efficient manner on the issue because misinformation in this case isn't exactly great either. So good job, Amazon. Good job, YouTube. And let's see what the rest of them do. Is it just me or is leaving your cat for a week on its own I mean, you can't really blame an electronic feeder. It's not great that the the device failed due to system errors, obviously networking errors in some way, but I think if you're leaving your animal for a week or more at a time, you you might have bigger issues than a a broken pet feeder. Just my two cents. Agree, but still. I do get the principle okay, you leave the, the feeder for during the afternoon when you're at work or you're out and then you come home and you see, oh, my dog or cat, pet fish has eaten its food. Great. Well, that's okay. It's working. But if you're relying on the system working for over a a week at a time because either you're not there or you're too lazy to feed the animal mm, that's not exactly the product's fault not something you want. My my cat starred for over a week. Yeah, that you shouldn't really want to admit to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not a great thing to say. But um flip side to this is what is the obsession with connecting everything to the internet? Please. <laughs> Why? Yeah. The Internet of Things is a very interesting market, but it it's made to look absolutely silly by this type of stuff. Yeah. There are so many serious products that, that do have benefits and, and just lazy people. Um and then it's things like this, it's like this just ruins everyone's perception of of the internet Things, because stupid things like this and quite an interesting point actually I, I didn't really include it in the short snippet we read but the article did go on to say it's like the Twitter accounts for the company just haven't tweeted in like six, six or eight months you know kind of indicating I think they're gone yeah that type of thing and it, it, it brings up an interesting point about the more and more we connect to the internet and the more and more products we, we, we call smart and, and rely on a service existing or an internet connection of some kind or an app or whatever it is like there are so many points of failure if the a company disappears, goes bankrupt, gets bought out, you know, if an iOS update breaks an app, whatever it is, there's so many points of failures for these things now um, that it's just it's crazy how we're becoming so dependent on these things. Um, I've always tried to look for when we buy Internet of Things devices, um, always liked it when they run on your local network. They don't rely on too much um, like the IKEA blinds, um, whilst they can be smart controlled and app controlled they have a button on the wall that like directly talks to the blind Um, so in 10 years when all this stuff stops working in theory these things shouldn't be totally useless but I can't imagine a smart pet feeder in 10 years still having any kind of use. It's like, it's one of those things that kind of feeds us a uh, massively throwaway culture now. You know, we're not thinking about the long term and how long these products will last. We're, we're thinking, does it solve our problem now? Which is a fair enough way to think, but it's just, this stuff won't be around 5-10 years from now and what do you do with it? Just landfill fodder at that point, isn't it?
1: It's alright though. You're talking about connecting everything. You can even connect your toilet. The Collar Smart Toilet promises a fully immersive experience with built-in speakers, Ambient lighting, Alexa support. Why go anywhere else in your house?
0: I'm sorry. Do you ever, do you ever go to the toilet and you go? You know, what I'm missing the experience. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Even as Depen- lights, depends on what you had for dinner the night before. Okay, this is going too far.
1: Um, yeah, okay, going down yeah, the
0: toilet. You... Way. No, yeah, yeah, just like the show. Wait, okay.
1: Um, yeah, I, that's the thing. What what do you connect and what you don't you connect? What's important to connect and what isn't? I- the, the thing is at this stage, companies are trying to demonstrate that it is possible to do anything and they will go to very extreme lengths to almost shock consumers. Again, smart toilet. What? I mean, the fact that it costs just short of £4,000. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I guess they always said, don't mix water and electrics, right?
0: I mean, I'm at the point where the internet things market very much just feels like CES on steroids. You know the way CES CES's mentality is like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. That's what all this stuff feels like. Mm.
1: Well, it is. That's the case. Exactly. See what we can do and show what we can do and if it sticks, great. And finally Tesla at 35 mile an hour 85 mile an hour. It's all the same, isn't it? Really, crazy. bit scary,
0: isn't it? This, it is uh,
1: that there is no redundant system to sort of or, or intelligence to say, "Hmm, seems a little bit fast." Is that is that right?
0: It's funny how uh, come like twenty twenty five youths won't be uh, won't be graffitiing things or vandalising things. No, they'll be just sticking tape on road signs. <laughs> that would be uh, be the form of youth rebellion.
1: It's it's quite interesting that well, not no, sorry, not interesting. It's crazy that. There is no second system redundancy system or failsafe or backup or verification. Well, you know what could be well, I mean, for a start, on GPS, GPS systems know the speed true. limit of an area. Very true. All, it, all—it's a case of okay, that says eighty-five, that says thirty, and realistically, what you what you would think the system would do is revert to the slowest speed limit logged. Well, it was thirty-five. The GPS says it's thirty-five. It says fifty or eighty or eighty-five. And yeah, we'll stick at thirty-five, or we'll stick at thirty, or whatever. It just seems more. Sensible,
0: no? Do you not it, think it's? Uh, yeah, definitely. I um, you know, even our you open up Waze on your your phone and it, it knows the speed limit via GPS, which is a highly accurate way of getting speed. Don't forget. Um, yeah, it just seems odd. I mean, bearing in mind, I think we have to look at this whole thing and go: these are the 2016 models; these are four years old. This is when Tesla bought uh, cameras in from Mobile Eye, which I don't think they do anymore. I'm pretty sure Tesla now use their own cameras, so it would be interesting to repeat the same experiment with a, with a 2019 or 2020 uh, Tesla and and see if it comes to the same results.
1: Mm, yeah, more work needed to, to be done and we'll see that later on in the show. Okay, first off, sincere apologies at the start for talking about what you've probably been listening to the entirety of the week, but it does have a relevance and it has quite a significant one at present, so we have to talk about it. Coronavirus. With obviously the global nature of the virus and the, the severity of which it is hit, subsequently it is well it goes without saying that it it will and has already had a knock on effect within technology and the tech industry. For a Start, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, all of them have had hits to their stocks and subsequently hits to their planned products, supply chains, development, etc. etc. The novel coronavirus continues to wreck havoc in the global technology industry with three big conferences. That's Facebook's F8, the Geneva Motor Show and Mobile World Congress being called off because of the outbreak. Um, on Thursday, Facebook said it was cancelling the development conference, a widely anticipated event at which Mark Zuckerberg updates the world on Facebook's developments and challenges. The reason for the cancellation concerns about COVID-19. Bearing in mind, this is in May, this event, so they're not confident that by May they'll get the issue sorted, which I guess makes sense. So then on Friday, organized, of the Geneva Motor Show cancelled the event um, after the Swiss government banned all events of a thousand people or more due to first cases appearing in the country that was scheduled to begin a lot closer March 3rd uh, and the event's one of the largest car shows of the year that then followed by Mobile World Congress which is an annual industry gathering been scheduled to open on February 24th in Barcelona it didn't Facebook also cancelled a March marketing summit. Similarly, IBM, Verizon, AT&T, cybersecurity dropped out of the RSA conference, which took place this week in San Francisco. It typically draws more than 40,000 people. The annual Game Developers Conference, originally scheduled to take place in San Francisco in two weeks, has been postponed to an unspecified date after exhibitors like Amazon, Microsoft, Epic Games, Sony, EA, and Facebook all dropped out. These cancellations are coming as a global technology world companies weather the impact of the new virus formerly known as SARS-CoV-2 which has shuttered factories offices and stores as well as limiting travel that's caused companies like Apple and Microsoft to warn they may miss quarterly revenue forecasts and that's the thing there are multiple problems here. Number one, events are being cancelled. Number two, sales are dropping. Number three, supply is dropping because what what country is responsible for a lot, a lot of the manufacturing of these products? Oh, China, which is unfortunately also where this virus has stemmed from. And on top of that, because of the all above, share prices are also dropping. It's not great. I don't remember such an effect from other sort of mass pandemics in recent years. I think this one really has hit just to the niche due to the nature and timing of it as well.
0: Yeah, there have been outbreaks like this before. There have been you know, scares let's say across the world, but I, I don't think anything has ever felt like, or especially in our lifetimes, has ever felt like it's had such a global effect. Um, partially, I imagine, due to the nature that we move around as human beings now, mm. um, you know, it's much easier to get around from country to country which means things spread easier. Um, I'm also at the point where I won't be surprised if Apple end up postponing or cancelling WWDC. Bearing in mind, events in May are being cancelled and WWDC is traditionally the thing like, was it first or second week of June? So, I'll be very interested to see if that actually goes ahead. Um, it's been, I mean you alluded to it at the start of the show, it's been an interesting week, or interesting couple of weeks globally with things like the stock market and the economy. Um, crazy how much of uh, countries being able to move stuff around, countries being able to move people around, um, and, and has such an effect on people buying stuff, has such an effect on the economy. Like, I think I sent you a screenshot at one point during the week, and it was... It, just like of the stock tickers and it was just all red like it was they, everyone was having a bad day um, and as you said at the beginning you, you go through each one of them and it's just like there's there's this cliff they just fall off um, you know some of them or most of them losing a pretty significant portion of their value just in a, a few days um, which on a stock ticker just <laughs> looks like uh, everyone everyone fell off a cliff all of a sudden
1: F it's an incredibly important event for Facebook and it's one of their favourite ways sort of to, to gather everyone from around the world and say what they're doing and what they've done. I guess taking the decision to cancel such an event isn't taken lightly. Um, Facebook had previously curtailed employee travel to China, cancelled a marketing summit obviously scheduled for early March which was uh, expected to draw around 4,000 we talked about it before there. It reportedly expects delays in production of the Oculus VR headset and has banned ads that promise a coronavirus cure. In terms of Apple, the iPhone maker said it would miss quarterly revenue guidance because of the effects of the coronavirus. The forecast followed news that the company had temporarily shuttered all of its 42 stores in mainland China, one of its biggest and most important markets. Apple's also temporarily closed its corporate offices and contact centres in China too. Again, the responsible thing to do. And it's it's nice that these companies are realising that it's that taking these steps and, and taking that hit is probably, one, safer and more beneficial than than actually Proceeding to trade and then something bigger or worse happening out of it because there is no doubt these tech companies, their inaction would cause bigger issues. Leaving your 42 stores in mainland China for people to go in and out of all the time and to buy your products and sending your employees out to China unnecessarily or or creating that travel Um, unnecessarily. You know, that would all have a knock-on effect, without a doubt. So it's good to see that companies are actually putting a sensible hat on and taking the hit here, which inevitably, you know, will recover. It's just a case of when and what timeline. Google, the search giant, said on January 29th, temporarily closing all of its offices in mainland China, Hong Kong and Taiwan because of the health threat. Tech giant also placed restrictions on business travel to China and Hong Kong. Google employees in China and those with immediate family members returning from China have been told to work from home for at least 14 days. Amazon, they've removed million listings for items claiming to cure or defend against the coronavirus foxconn reportedly told its employees not to come back to work at its offices in Shenzhen, china until further notice airbnb said it would offer guests and hosts affected by it the opportunity to cancel reservations without penalty uber they have temporarily suspended roughly 240 user accounts in mexico to prevent the spread of it Tesla. They've closed their plant in Shanghai for a planned week and a half after the Chinese government told private companies to temporarily cease operations. Nintendo reportedly said production of its popular Switch headset in China was seeing some impact from the coronavirus. Five of the factories that make the LCD and OLED panels are expected to see slowdowns in production. And before Mobile World Congress organizer the GSMA pulled the plug, more than 20 companies said they'd either limit their participation or not attend at all including, as we said, Facebook, LG, Ericsson ZTE Amazon AT&T Sprint Samsung Cisco Sony Vodafone BT Deutsche Telekom Nokia This is a global phenomenon, a global problem right now, and it's it really is involving every tech company in the world, and that is because of the nature of China. It, it really boils down to that. Will this cause a knock-on effect for twenty twenty the development of technology? Yeah, it will one hundred percent it will.
0: It'll. I mean, it sounds really you know we're we're looking at it from the tech point of view it's what we do, and I you know appreciate it. there's loss of life in this type of type of things. So oh yeah, there's far bigger things to worry about here. Yeah, yeah such superficial things is crazy, but it'll be interesting to see. Does this have a knock-on effect? back on launches of new products. Um, does the iPhone get delayed? Does the new Pixel get delayed? You know that type of thing. Um, be interested to see if there's a knock-on effect of CES next year. Um, obviously, right at the beginning of uh, of 2021, everything has a lead time. Um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly the world recovers from this type of thing. I mean, at this point, it it still well, I think from our point of view it still feels like it's getting worse. Um, I don't think we're over we're over the hump yet. But um, yeah, it's it definitely shows you how interconnected the world is. How much we don't just rely on China, but how much we rely on just kind of like other nations in general um and like doing trade between and being able to visit and you know companies being able to actually uh open their doors and trade is uh is such a big thing
1: yeah having that 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 freedom of movement within within a a global sense it it's eye opening and I think it it re- restates the fact that it should never be taken lightly you know so something like this should never be taken lightly in the sense of technology or or any um any case at all. The only thing we can do is, is hold on and see what happens with it. Mass panic isn't the answer. I think that all of the companies have, have taken responsible steps to try and alleviate any problems which could arise, um, or at least to, to try and stop them. So that's good to see. It's good to see responsible actions from the, the big the big companies. I 5 uh, The chief has asked tech companies for exceptional access to encrypted messages. Aaron, isn't that great?
0: This is one of those things that how many years have we been talking about this now thing. Um, every year it feels like company X releases product Y that has you know end-to-end encryption and as privacy advocates we all go hurrah and then six months later we're going oh no, as some government or agency or whatever it is decides that end-to-end encryption should be banned and we shouldn't be allowed it because it makes their job a little more difficult. Which, two sides of the fence, fully appreciate the likes of MI5, the CIA, NSA, GCSQ, you know all all these uh these three or four letter agencies are uh, helping to keep us safe and you know we're very appreciative of that i don't think it should come at the expense of our own privacy and that privacy is not just from governments um, that privacy is from other citizens as well um, there's a lot of not nice people out there and we shouldn't have to i guess face the downsides of that just because mi5 you know want to get access to a, to a few people's phones um, Apple have been very clear in in their stances, you know, when when agencies have come to them to unlock iPhones in the past, Apple have been very clear that it's once you unlock one, it's a slippery slope. Um, all these agencies, um, they want you know the MI five here talking about they want exceptional access to encrypted messages. Well, we've always said, many people have always said, putting any kind of backdoor into this thing, whilst it has great intention, it will only ever have the worst outcome. Um, you know, think of it like your house. If you just had a front door and no back door, one point of entry you know, one one single point of failure Um, you know, you can put all the locks in the world on that door and and great if you have a second door at the rear you have to do the same again and you know more chance of access, more chance of something going wrong, very similar to um, back doors that they're using air quotes in end-to-end encryption or just encrypted stuff in general. A lot of this time encryption is is, is a a one-way street almost um, and the key to unlock it is often owned with the recipient. Um, I believe that's the way uh, a lot of messaging systems... I think iMessage works like that. Um, if I send you a message, that message lives on Apple servers, goes through the network, etc. But in an encrypted form, I believe you have the key on your phone to unlock that message. I mm. don't believe Apple or anyone has the key. They have the message, but not the key to unlock it. Hence the term end-to-end encryption. Yeah. Um, if Apple are forced an opportunity, you know, we're just using Apple uh, as an example, but if any company Apple specifically were forced to have a key a master key to unlock those messages on the server well that's a slippery slope it has great intention at that point you know this is a key that let's say with some restrictions agencies can use you know it's a whole the kettle of fish when you you know the amount of times we've spoken about in the past of rogue employees and this that, and the other um, like it doesn't take much um, but as soon as you have a master key for agencies to have access it's another point of entry for hackers um, with the best will in the world the best intentions it doesn't stop these people um if you make it impossible or if you make it so there is no single point of failure let's say there is no master key or anything it's a lot easier to keep secure yeah not impossible to break a lot a lot more difficult as soon as you start adding ways you can reverse it in a master fashion or whatever this is where it all starts to fall apart and and that's the problem because all it takes is to start that process is it's not
1: even a case of uh, we will insert a backdoor two weeks let you do what you need to do then we'll then we'll lock it up because that's not how encryption works <laughs> it doesn't work that way there's there is no key theoretically there may be a key but theoretically there shouldn't be a key it's difficult because in one way i understand and i totally get why government bodies want access in cases because encryption can be extremely prevented of in their efforts to beat crime, whatever it is, cybercrime, real-world crime, real world crime um, communications which they need or want to intercept but on the other hand, there is a case for encryption for both privacy, but also safety. You're putting your, when you put your card details in online to a website to purchase something, uses end-to-end encryption, it's the same concept as the end-to-end encryption which your text message gets sent over. There's no difference. That's where the major problem comes, because once once you weaken the encryption on one side, the whole thing just falls to pieces, and it probably becomes... a a bigger problem at that point.
0: I don't like the way. This is one of the, I think, the issues we've always had. These people just sound incredibly, I don't know, ignorant. Um, Parker, it says, here, Parker called on the tech firms to, quote, use the brilliant technologists you've got to answer a question. Can you provide end-to-end encryption but on an exceptional basis? Exceptional basis where there is legal warrant and a compelling case to do it. Provide access to stop the most serious forms of harm happening. When you ask questions like that, it's like, well, it's not end-to-end encryption then anymore is it it's like it's just these people sound so i you know i'm fully with you i I get what they're asking we get what they're after it's just you know we've seen this rodeo before um how many services have we seen where they say they offer security and then no oh no they had a security breach you know it's just it's just what always seems to happen it's the world we live in now i think we've it happens so much we've almost grown numb to the fact um that our our data is probably stolen and passed around on, on a daily basis at this point yeah um almost something we just you know brush off um, which it shouldn't be um, no. but welcome to the the world welcome to the security world we don't seem to live in um I think more more backdoors you know exceptional basis means one thing today it means another thing tomorrow and something completely different in six months time you know it depends who's in charge depends what government is in charge you know governments come and go these technologies tend to stick around a lot longer than a single government so you know I, I think it's difficult for uh, tech companies to want to make too many exceptions or any at all you know that's their bottom line uh, Apple we've always said Apple uh, a lot of companies but you know Apple make that sell on privacy don't they um, what do they say it's like what stays on your iPhone or what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone um, which is you know a direct dig at other companies like Facebook mm. um, and if they were to all of a sudden be found out that actually MI5 or the CIA had a backdoor into everyone's iPhone it's like that nullifies all their ad campaigns like it's not a selling feature anymore. More potentially directly hurts their, their bottom line. So so companies do have to weigh up the moral high ground and the uh, kind of the wallet.
1: That's the problem. Um, once they do it once, they make an example of it, and it becomes a regularity. And it's on top of the thing that... Consumer confidence then also becomes a demised you know property, um, and on top of that, there's a moral responsibility too. So I I see both sides. It's really difficult because I, I don't truly really believe that MI five are really interested in that text message that I sent you this morning or this morning, Aaron, about X Y Z. They're really not. And when the Snowden revelations came out and GCHQ and the NSA, yes, there was mass panic, but I, but I think everyone knew deep down that something you know you knew that you're you. It was just common. Commonly accepted that yeah, of course, you know, you make a phone call can be intercepted. I think maybe the scale at which it was happening wasn't quite, you know, that 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 was the the shock factor. But am I concerned about a government intercepting my communications or my phone calls? No, I'm not. I've nothing to hide, and I I don't mean there's a difference because that I've nothing to hide is a very dangerous and sweeping statement to make in some cases. But what I mean is they're not listening to you because they have no interest in you. Think of how many people they have to monitor to ensure global and, and, and world safety. Um and, and we're putting it in very simplistic terms here. But the point being they're only after the people they know they need to be after and the ones they're interested in. if 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 you're not one of those people and you've nothing to hide, it's not that you've nothing to hide so you shouldn't mind them listening into you. They're not listening into you.
0: I think less of the problem probably comes from the fact that we're worried about the, those people listening in. It's 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 the fact that what this opens up for other, you know, general hackers and bad guys to use general terms, is it's like I think we have a little more I would say Trust, but you know you, you're right. Joe blogs working at Mi Five doesn't care about the text messages any. This morning, but um, hacker fifty six from down the street is more than happy to steal all my credit card information via yeah, the exactly. same back door. Yeah. Like that's the thing I think we're we're more worried about. that's exactly it. Finishing
1: us off for today, the Tesla car crash, which has hit the news this week, has caused a bit of a stir. Both the fact that that car is an absolute mess, um, and also the fact that the NTS. We believe that the occupant, who happened to be an Apple employee, was playing a video game at the time of the crash. Tesla instructs drivers to keep their hands on the wheel in autopilot mode, but the NTSB said more crashes were foreseeable if Tesla did not implement uh, changes to its autopilot system. This crash happened in March 2018, so some time ago, just under, I guess, two years ago. The, The autopilot software steered the vehicle into the triangular Gore area at a motorway intersection and accelerated into the concrete barrier. The front of the Tesla separated from the rear, causing two other drivers to crash. The NTSB said the Tesla driver had not taken control of the car because he had been distracted by a smartphone video game. The Tesla's collision avoidance system was not designed to detect the crash barrier and Tesla's autopilot system did not provide an effective means of monitoring the driver's engagement. The use of Tesla's autopilot software has obviously been implicated in several crashes thus far to date. The system lets the car operate semi-automatically at changing lanes and adjusting its speed as required. And as we just said at the quick news, sometimes not to the correct speed. I think that this autopilot branding is making some drivers think the is driving fully autonomously which it isn't in this case so it's sad that someone lost their lives um I, I don't mean it the way it sounds but playing a video game whilst driving at this point with autonomous technology just doesn't seem sensible or legal for that fact
0: this is this this uh, i think as you're alluding to has driver error or, you know the fault of the driver plastered all over it um the other side of that is Why is it in the car? Why is it allowed to happen? You know, the legality of it is still a huge question mark. Um, we, you know, Tesla can sit there and go we tell our users to keep their hands on the wheel at all times it's like, have you met people before? Um, It's like, you can tell them whatever you like, it doesn't matter. Um, And uh, this is not the first time this type of accident has happened. This is not the first time the Tesla autopilot system has been questionable during a crash. This is not the first, you know, there are millions of but there are tens of videos online you'll see of you know people asleep at the wheel and Teslas and and stuff like that. It's just all counts of reckless driving in in some aspect all down to the fault of the user, but enabled by the technology in the car. Um, and it's disheartening to see I think that whenever this stuff comes up, Tesla's answer is always the same. It Tesla are always it's illegal. We tell our users to keep a hand on the wheel, etc., etc. Um, never. Seen to take any, you know, kind of look in the mirror at themselves.
1: Ultimately there's there's both parts to play here I think. I think Tesla are as the ntsb B has alluded to well they haven't said it quite in this way but they are commercializing and monetizing on this autopilot function which isn't quite an autopilot function. It controls certain aspects of the drive but ultimately the overall responsibility is still with the driver. And I think that question will always be asked in autonomous vehicles regardless. If an autonomous vehicle which is quote fully autonomous if it ever was has a crash who's responsible? The person or the car. How do you claim off a car? legally who's, who's responsible for killing that person the car or the person <laughs> that high how? how does that who was in control the system says the car was but was the person in the car ultimately fully responsible because they were overseeing everything that the car was happening could they have prevented it if they had not been paying attention it's a slippery slope isn't it
0: it's an interesting uh i think time that's ahead for hmm. lawmakers Um, Yeah, it it, it is. Because you're right, it's like, where is this responsibility all of a sudden? I'm assuming it's the law will never, or for a long time, won't be changed for the car not to essentially have a primary driver in some way, however you want to word it. Um there will always be someone to put the blame on, I think. Someone has to be paying attention, you know, that type of thing. Mm. Um, but it, it is an interesting conundrum, let's say, that, that we're heading towards. Um, autopilot technology or, or self-driving technology will have its ups and downs. Failures are going to um it is up to the you know general population of drivers of these cars like these things are all have all been avoidable so far you know it's not like autopilot has deliberately you know driven off the road or something like it's it's you know it, it's made a mistake and, and, and done that let's say but it's all been something that had the driver been paying the correct amount of attention would never have happened and how many instances are there where that does happen every day but because the driver was paying attention you know it, it was uh, it was safe um it's these few stories we hear about because the driver's asleep playing a video game, whatever it is. Mm. Um, it makes the technology look bad. Um, again, Tesla needs to do a better job. I think the, the responsibility here, whilst it does rely on the on the driver of the vehicle, I think, you know, Tesla can't wash their hands of this completely. Um, they are the one providing the aids, providing the technology. Video games in a car sounds like a really fun thing, but let's be honest, it's not. Um, it's not a place for video games, driving a car on a freeway um, so yeah Tesla needs to do a better job people need to do a better job
1: precisely there's no one area that needs focused on solely it's a general improvement in all areas which it, as you alluded to will create for an interesting time because those laws need to be written number one quickly because we're living in a time when this technology is causing crashes and has killed people who are not in the car also but those laws have to be efficient too they, You can't. it's no good rushing something through and it's not actually quite right and it's a very sticky you know this is very gray there's no black or white here it is right bang in the middle it's it's not true or false or yes or no or zero or one it it's open to interpretation and that's where the real issue is going to come from because before it was it it was very easy to point the blame to one driver or another driver when you have one driver and an autonomous car and you have another autonomous car and another driver in it Uh, who do we blame who takes the blame hard to know. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can find more episodes on over at munchtech.tv for our ultimate guide to podcasting munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide a book on everything you need to know on starting your very own podcast and podcastassist.com for our newsletter munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter if you're listening on your mobile device munchtech.tv forward slash mobile and last but not least our interview with Steve Wozniak co-founder of Apple computing pioneer and engineering genius munchtech.tv forward slash was. join us next week on episode 500 until then have a great safe, enjoyable 1 and we'll see you next week bye 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 Oh, mm-hmm.